ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years, with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vein and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Bailey Shea Williams, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you doing today, young lady? I am awesome. Thanks for having me and I'm super excited. Well, thank you so much. I don't think you're quite as excited as I am because I don't know very many people that have have driven a monster truck, raced a TT bike, and done some of the things that you get to do for fun. No, yes, no. I mean, it's a it's a lot of fun, and but actually, the the coolest part about it is being a mom and doing all of it and taking my little two year old with me everywhere I go. So, I mean, yeah, this is exciting for me. But the most excitement is just being at the track, racing something. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible. <laughs> well, l- let's go backwards a little bit in time. How did you get involved with ATV racing? Well, so I was actually a gymnast forever, my whole life. A gymnast, a dancer. Um, I played basketball. I played softball. You name it, I did it. Every bit of it. And I was good at it but nothing actually challenged me. So, I mean, I was constantly in trouble doing this, doing that. I was just this, you know, ornery teenager. And my, my mom and dad were just like fed up. They were just done. And, uh, I actually went to a race one weekend. My whole family went, my sister's husband was racing and I was like, man, this is so cool. Never, never rode a four wheeler with a clutch in my life. I was 15 years old. And a buddy of ours um, took me out <laughs> in the middle of the highway. I'm not even joking right now. Put me on his 400EX and taught me how to use a clutch. And I I put a helmet on and I raced that night. Well, I won and I was hooked. Like everybody was so shocked. They're like, she seriously has never ridden with a clutch. You just taught her and she goes out and wins her first race. And I, I never looked back from that day on. I raced every single weekend until I was about 23 years old. Well, you're not very old now, are you? <laughs> oh, I'm old. 
I'm 31. I feel like I'm 50. <laughs> Sweetheart, you don't know what old is yet. <laughs> a few broken bones later. So you raced from the time you were 15 to 23 pretty much regularly? Yeah, actually, my dad, he, he'll brag about it still to this day to his buddies. And he's like, how many of you have had your teenage daughters hang out with you? every single weekend from 15 years old to 23 and that's what we did we we spent every single friday saturday sunday on the road even through the winter and we would run multiple tracks we would we would get out there and and race on a friday night or a saturday and then we would find a track to race on the way home and at this you know the whole time i was like oh wow my my parents are really into this and now being a mom, I'm like, oh, they were keeping tabs on me. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was awesome. We it was a big family sport, and that's I mean, that's just what we did. D- did dad or mom race too, or just you? Um, well, growing up, my mom actually raced dirt bikes and snowmobiles, so that was kind of cool. And then my dad, he was just the youngest of twelve kids, and if it was dumb, he was doing it. And he knew he's like watching me outside riding our utility four-wheeler he's like you're gonna get hurt like you I'd rather you be on track and gear and a helmet and you know racing smart than doing this dumb stuff around the house so So that's what we did (laughs) (laughs) you threw me off there with with the with the dumb stuff comment I was, oh, we were, I was jumping the road, the ditches, like you name it. I was rolling the four wheeler down the hills and I, he's just like going to have a heart attack over here. And it was, it was actually really, really smart on their part because if I didn't have straight A's, you're not going to the track this weekend. And I remember the teachers calling my parents and they're like, Bailey got her grades up, like literally in two days. What, what happened? And my dad's like, well, she wasn't going to get to go racing. <laughs> so yeah it worked and and all of it was tt basically yeah so we did edt which is extreme dirt track and it is um high banks turns you know high high speeds we had more more like roller jumps but we were set up for low to the ground and high high speeds and it, it was fun and i was known as the whole shot queen like that was my challenge every race was to get the whole shot and and i did that was cool that's awesome and and do you race tt anymore Um, for fun yes because once i hopped in a monster truck it's kind of well you can't really get hurt if you're going to be contracted with you know another form of racing so i i still have all of my quads everything that we have built from the ground up everything I've earned. We've kept. My dad said we'll never get rid of them. And I do. I, I get to race for fun. And back in August, I hopped on um, a quad for the first time to race in five years. And I lined up on that track with two lines of guys and pulled the whole shot. And I ended up second. But man, leaving the track that night, I was like, I missed this a lot more than I thought. You know, I. I thought monster trucks were my life, but no, man, I missed the quad. So you raced quads Mm -hmm. in the TT series. I'm assuming that's where you met Randy. 
Yes. Yes. I, I met Randy Dinkins through ATVs, the ATV world. He's always just been like top notch, a class act, like always super supportive and awesome. And shoot, I don't even know how many years it's been a while ago. I'm old. <laughs> you, I keep telling you, you don't know what old it is yet. <laughs> oh, shoot. Let me give you a little insight. Our industry started in 1969 when the first three wheeler came to America. Okay. And three wheelers are awesome. I was four years old and got my first ride that year. That is so cool. I've been hooked ever since. My father started the the, the figurehead business of Duncan. It wasn't Duncan Racing back then, but it has since morphed into Duncan Racing. And mm-hmm. 1977 on, that's what we've done for a living. That's so cool. So I've been around just a little while. So when you, when you roll into your 60s and you're still doing it, you've been around a day or two. <laughs> right. I just hope I can like get out of bed, even get on the four-wheeler when I'm 60. If you stay active, you will be able to. I, I, I have some limiting in, injuries that because of, of lack of wanting to go to the doctor um, that, that hinder me now. But um, for the most part, I can still test. Um, I don't do any long-term racing or anything like that anymore. Because it, well, it, and it's funny you say that because um, I have a list of, you know, broken bones and injuries. And the only time I ever went to the doctor was when I was knocked out and I couldn't refuse to go. Any other time I was like, nope, get me on a different bike. We're going back out. I'm not, I'm not doing this. We're going to race. We came to race. Uh, my My biggest one was I wrecked in South Dakota at a national and collapsed my lung, broke six ribs, my shoulder, my collarbone, hauled me off in an ambulance. I never even knew it. Um, I spent a week in ICU there and day 14 from my injury was the Ashtabula, Ohio national at Pine Lake. And so I was like, dad, we got to go. We got to set the bikes out for sponsorship. Like that's just what we do. And so we hauled our four wheelers out there. Mind you, I have super glue in my chest tube hole, I have all these broken ribs, broken shoulder, broken collarbone, but I'm going to rep my sponsors. Like that's what I was about. And so I get there and I'm like, dad, can I just roll the line? Like, I'm just going to roll it. I'll get last place in points. Like, just let me roll the bike across the line. I got to keep my points. And he's like, okay, okay, we'll do that. Well, I got on and I definitely did not roll the line. (laughs) Like (laughs) I raced that whole race in tears, crying. I hurt so bad, regretting every minute of it, but I podiumed. And then my dad's like, we're going to get home before we tell your mom that you raced. (laughs) But I mean, it was just, that's what I lived for. I loved it. Being a mother now. Yes. Do you realize what you did to your poor father? Oh my goodness. Like (laughs) you have no idea. (laughs) So my, my son had RSV at four weeks old. I loaded him up in an ambulance. We went to the hospital and I was a mess. And I I remember calling my mom and dad and I'm like, I am so sorry. Every single time I was in an ambulance, I'm so sorry. They're like, yeah, now you get it. Now you kind of understand. It, it, and it doesn't get any better. I know. I'm terrified. I'm, oh. and he, this boy is 
just reincarnation of me. Like I, I got exactly what I deserved with him. <laughs> you know, he's it, not scared of nothing. And and my daughter played softball and was fearless. My son tried to be a racer, and you know, I never really worried about him. I was not that nervous um, until we were at Speed World in Arizona. And, and I said, Danny, the reason why you're, you're not, you're not getting good starts while you're coming having to come from far behind every race is because you're shutting off in the first turn. So you can't see the first turn from where I was standing. And all I hear from the crowd is that it was my son. Oh. And he ended up not shutting off cartwheeling into the wash off the track, off the first turn. And I, uh, you know, you run over there as a dad and I look, oh, yeah. at him, I look at him and he's breathing and he, he's, he's awake. And I go, you're all right. You want to get up? And he goes, it hurts dad. I can't, it hurts. I can't breathe. I can't get up. It hurts. And, <laughs> they, and they flew him. Then they flew him to the hospital. Uh. So, that that's probably the worst it, it was for me. We spent a week in Arizona, and and uh, you know, fortunately, fortunately, that my brother was was really understanding, and uh, uh-huh. but that was that's like the only time that it was really, really, really scary. I mean, well, in my my dad, he knew that I never would back down. Like that's just not that's not who I am. That's not what I was about. And my mechanic actually was my dad's best friend. He was like a dad to me. And uh, we were in Franklin, Pennsylvania at the Hedricks track at their national. And I remember practicing and my lap times are super fast. And my mechanic and my dad said, Bailey, when you go out, ride the wall. Like you got to get up a little bit higher. That's where everyone's, you know, gaining on you. And I took it literal and I rode the wall. First practice out. It was, it rained and, uh, it just sucked me up into the hay bale. I cartwheeled, woke up laying there. It was father's day. And as soon as my dad got to me and I woke up, I was like, happy father's day. (laughs) Like I felt terrible, (laughs) but it's like, I, I never backed off. And I think women, I mean, yes, we are kind of crazy drivers, riders, whatever. It's like a challenge kind of. And when I was on the line with, you know, two rows full of men, I almost felt like I had to like prove something in a sense, but then you get on the line with the women and these women are fast, like so fast, but you get on the line with the guys and you're like, well, you know, they don't like, you You know, their dad doesn't like you like, you're going to show them up right now. And it's like, I just, I never back down from it. That's, that's, that's awesome. It, well, most of the boys ride harder too because they don't want to. They don't want to be the guy that got beat by the girl. Oh yeah, and they have all kinds of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> it, it's it's very funny because I have a picture of myself getting beat by a girl. <laughs> <laughs> got to wear but, it. You know, some of some of my best friends from racing ATVs are, you know, people that respect me the most are, are men I raced with and they beat me. I beat them. And it was just like, we respected each other. They knew I was there to race and I was there to get better. And it's like, 
I had four quads ready at all the races. And my biggest competitor was Casey McKibben and, uh, at nationals. And it was, we were neck and neck in points like always. And, you know, I wanted that national championship, but he broke down, he wrecked and didn't have a bike. And I offered him mine and you know, who beat me by one point, the national champion, he did on my own four wheeler, my, my four wheeler. And everyone's like, I can't believe you did that. You, you had it won. You could. And I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to be the best. I wanted to win against the best. And if he wasn't out there racing me, I wasn't winning against the best. And so like, I look back at it now and I'm like, it was worth it. Like, I'm, I'm glad I got second to him on my four wheeler because I, I lost to the best. And I just, I'm always wanting to get better. Well, that brings me to the question of, I'm assuming that you did something with Quad Wars. Yeah. Yep. I so did. Let's get into that story. So I ran a couple of Quad Wars. Um, and really, I'm kind of confused as to how I was even contacted about a monster truck, but I did run quad wars and I have some really cool pictures of I'm in St. Louis, St. Louis racing. And in the background is Scooby-Doo, the big monster truck. And here I am on my quad jumping the tabletop in the middle. And four years later, I'm in that truck. That is my truck. And I mean, it's just, it's really cool to see that. But, um, so I ran a few quad wars. I never went for a paycheck. I, I went for my sponsors, you know, for the publicity. I went for fans. You know, I, I live for my fans. I always have. And uh, I ran a few of those. And then I ran, we had like a, a triple header weekend in SEMO, Missouri. And it was televised back before... Fox Sports was Fox Sports. It was Speed Channel. Well, I had won two of my three classes and then I was interviewed and somebody with Feld saw my interview and then they remembered like, oh, she's the one, you know, in Quad Wars that is always on the microphone. Like she can grab a microphone and she can shoot. She can sell snow to an Eskimo. Like I've, I can talk on a mic for days. And so somebody contacted me on Facebook, gave me a phone number to call, had me call him. And they're like, hey, do you want to come out and test a monster truck? And I was like, is this for real? <laughs> and like that next week, they sent me out to the Diggers Dungeon in Kill Devil Hills, um, out to Dennis Anderson's house. And that's where I tested. And they hired me on the spot. They were like, you want to drive next weekend? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's really how it happened and haven't stopped since. That's, that's pretty amazing. And how many years have you, have you been driving that truck? So I started in 2014. They sent me to Paxton, Illinois. And uh, I actually trained. I was the very first group to go through Monster Jam University. So they taught us how to drive monster trucks. And we had a monster truck. We had a side-by-side -side and we had a four-wheeler. Well, the fact that I was an ATV racer was one of the main reasons they wanted me. 
And, but what sucked was they always made me start on the back row. Like, Hey, you know what you're doing? You're going to have to work for it. And I'm just like, really? So I was always thrown to the back row and had to like make my way up. But, uh, so we went out there and we trained all summer long, Tom Mintz and John Zimmer. So Tom Mintz drives Max D and John Zimmer at the time drove Gravedigger. And they trained us, a whole group of us. And I started in Scooby-Doo. And I did my first season with the Triple Threat Series. And then I did a month in Europe. I did Sweden, Finland. Like, I went everywhere. And I drove monster trucks for four years. And then I got married and I had a baby. And I actually went from monster trucks to... 360 some foot wind turbines. I, I climbed those and maintenance those with my husband at the time. And then I had a baby and I just, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to put monster trucks on hold and get married and do that thing. And I did. And then last year, well, before last season started, Jerry and Jessica Beck reached out to me and was like, Hey, please tell me you're interested in this. And I was like, what? We want you to drive our truck. And the cool thing about them is I've known them since I started Monster Trucks. They had the coolest truck in the world. It was the biggest ATV ever. And I finally was getting the opportunity to drive it. And they're like, it's a perfect fit. You come from the ATV world. Why not drive Quad Chaos? And so here I am in the largest ATV in the world, you know, crushing cars. And I mean, it's just, it is so crazy how everything has worked out. And so they put me in this truck. They surprised me. I didn't even get to see it when they finished it and they matched it to my race quads. They put my race number on it, my name on it. And it was like just a way bigger scale of, you know, what I race. And so that's what I've been doing the past two years is traveling with them. And I mean, it's just, it's been incredible. It's been so cool. Is it just done in the States? Um, so we stay in the States. Yes. And that was one of my big deals. Like when they wanted me to drive, I said, here's the deal. I've traveled the world. I've done it. I don't want to be without my kid. Um, all I ask is that my son goes to every single show with me and they're like, not a problem. We're not going to go international and we're going to stay in the States. And Huck has gone to every single show that I've ever done in quad chaos. Wow. That's a pretty, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, it is. And you know, I, I hate it and I love it all because we eat, sleep and breathe monster trucks. That little boy has 500 monster trucks in the house and every word out of his mouth is monster trucks, monster trucks, monster trucks. And I'm just like, could you like dirt bikes or something, <laughs> something else? Well, what do you expect, mom? I'm <laughs> just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you, do you see a time when he's racing quads? Oh yeah. So we, we have a, a little bitty, a 70, like an old one that my sister and I used to ride. And then we have a 90 apex race ready at mom and dad's. And then, um, we have the strider bikes and then we have the stasic bikes, the, um, electric strider bikes. And so my, I have a niece and nephew and then there's Huck, my son. That's all we do. We go to mom and dad's and all we do is ride. That's it. 
We have a mini um, Polaris Razor, a Ranger, you name it. We go out there and all we do is ride. So I know dang good and well, he's going to, he'll be racing whether I want him to or not. Well, how would you, how, how would you handle not letting that happen? I mean, I don't think I, I wouldn't, I would not let it happen, but I'm, I am terrified. <laughs> I am so scared. <laughs> it's totally different when it's your kid. And my dad, he's always like, you know, I'll be okay if he just wants to ride for fun. Like, I remember how, how scary it was just watching you, let alone watching him. <laughs> but my dad loves it. And I don't think he'll ever, ever keep him from it. You know, one side of me wants to be reserved and not let my grandsons do it. And the other side of me is like, let's do this. Okay, whatever. What are you? Yeah, great. <laughs> right. The boots and the chest. Okay, let's go. You know, I mean, the moms and dads aren't as into the racing. You know, my daughter really despises ATV racing because I was always gone. Uh-huh. Yep. My son loves it because he's got to go most of the time. Um, I get that. But, it, but he doesn't, he's moved away. He has uh, a career in the medical field and it's not a fly by night deal. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good deal, you know, working mm-hmm. in hospitals, saving people's lives. Um, so I would prefer him to do that. And, keep the, the, the riding as a fun thing that you do when grandpa comes around, you know, or, or you're doing on the weekends with, as a family group. Um, yeah. And that's, that's exactly how I felt about it because so I, I'll get out there and race, but I'm not going to race the way I raced, you know, before I had a kid or before I'm a business owner. So here I am. 31 years old. I'm mom and dad. I, you know, I have, I have Huck a hundred percent of the time. His dad lives in New York and, uh, I own a business. So I, and I'm, I'm an hour and 20 minutes from my, my family. And so I'm just here with my kid. We get up every morning, we go to work. I work six days a week. If I'm not at work on Saturdays at my nutrition club, I am out of state driving a monster truck. So it's like, we are always doing something. And here I am going out to race on the weekends. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for fun. I still have to go home and be mom tonight. And then I also have to get up and be a business owner next week. So it's like, I kind of got to be a little bit smarter about it before I, I got to go home with mom and dad and they got to take care of me and feed me and cook dinner for me and do all this stuff. And now I'm the parent. So it's not as fun, but it's still fun. <laughs> All right. I want to, I want to know, because I absolutely know nothing about monster trucks. Can you give us a rundown on how you drive one? Um, well, first of all, I'm a female. We are crazy drivers. That's why, <laughs> that's why we drive monster trucks. Um, so it is a huge machine. If you've never been up close in person, you know, to one, it will blow your mind. We have 66 inch tires, 1500 horsepower, and they're not easy to drive. (laughs) You know, you get so many fans that criticize everybody's driving and it's like, here you go. Hop on up. 
you take it for a spin and tell me how easy it is. Um, so you get up there and you have a rear steer and you have front steer. And then, so your rear steer is your right thumb. You have a toggle switch and your hand, your right hand stays on that at all times. And that controls your rear tires. Your steering wheel is what controls your front tires, your right foot, your gas, your left foot, your brake. So you're driving with both arms, both legs at all times. And, you know, with Scooby, it was nice. Well, it it sucked at the time, but I couldn't see over the nose of my truck. So I had to learn to drive through like the floor. I had to look at my front tires through the floor just to see where I was lined up on hits and stuff. And, you know, it's a lot like racing a quad. I know it sounds crazy, but you just grasp the understanding of it a lot better. Um, If you, if you been on a four-wheeler before if you're not going to line up straight to a jump you're going to roll it you're gonna you know in my first season the joke was everybody had bets on how many times I was going to roll in a show and it was bam every time I went out I rolled it but the second season the third season did never roll I've never knock on wood rolled quad yet um but I mean it's just it's an oversized ATV honestly. And it's a lot of like, you have to have quick reaction times. Um, whenever I race an ATV, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I pick out markers on the track. Every single lap, I look for that same thing. Each turn, there's either a tire right there or a piece of tarp under the dirt that I can see. And my left front tire touches it or every single lap I was looking for that kind of stuff. And that's, that's kind of the way I am in the truck. Um, but I don't know, it, it, it's a lot of confidence and it's a lot of wanting to better yourself as a driver. You know, I sit out there and I just, I watch and I watch and I watch, and then I come home and I watch YouTube videos and like, I just want to be better than what I was before. Well, beings that I've been around a day or two, in the beginning, the monster trucks were fragile, I would say, at best. Mm-hmm. They couldn't jump some of the hard impacts or some of the distances and some of the things that you you all do now. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the evolution in how they make them better? Oh, yes. And the stuff that our trucks endure, it's nuts. Like you see people go out and you're like, what did they just do? How are they not dead? Like it is incredible. Um, I did world finals a couple of times and just the stunts that they were performing in a truck at world finals would blow your mind. Like Tom Mintz did the first double backflip in the truck, double two, like incredible. He did the first front flip in the truck. And I mean, and I was out in Paxton when he was training it. And I mean, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life, but it was incredible that they could actually do it. What's your skill level as far as tricks go? Um, So I, when I quit Monster Jam, we were just starting to get into like learning that the trucks could actually do this stuff. And I never really got to do any of that. I did do some accidental (laughs) backflips. by accident (laughs) but no it was more so like 
we were there to put on a show. We were there to interact with our fans. We were there to do exactly what we were supposed to do during a show. And I mean, that's, that's what they wanted. And now as an independent driver, we go to the shows and we, you know, we, we try not to break things. Um, we want to put on a good show, but we don't want to go out there and do crazy, stupid stuff. That's going to cost my boss everything he made that weekend on that truck. So it, it's a lot of respect. You have to, you have to respect your vehicle and you have to respect, you know, the team. It's like, I don't want my crew guy out there working three days straight trying to fix my truck. And then we're dropping $25,000 because we blew a motor for no reason. And it's like, it's just a respect thing. My dad always taught me, if you respect your, your machines, you're going to go far. You know, we would, we would leave the racetrack and stop at the, uh, the car wash on the way home, spend six hours washing and polishing up the bikes and then go home and clean them again. And it's like, we always represented professionally. That's, that's awesome. I just, um, because I don't understand, which I want you to fill me in here. How do the shows break down the, the, the tricks versus the regular show portion? Um, maybe, maybe I need to go watch one. Um, yeah. And, and, you, you and do. <laughs> because I'm, I'm a little behind the eight ball here. Yeah. So like when we start a show, we'll go out, we'll do intros, wave at the crowd, you know, get everybody pumped up. And then we're going to do, it kind of depends on what show you're at. Normally we start out with best trick. So you go out, you have two hits to do something cool. Normally it's like some sort of wheelie hit or some new trick that you've learned. And then that's considered best trick. And then you're going to go out and qualify for racing. You're going to go through a couple of passes of racing and then um, some sort of intermission. It's normally like FMX or some really cool lawnmower racing or something, you know, something like that. And then uh, we go back out, we finish racing. Um, if we're trying to fill time on the clock or some shows actually still do donut competition, we'll go out and do that. And then that's after that is when we start freestyle. And at the end of the night, the combined points, like whoever has the most points as far as best trick and racing and freestyle all added up. That's who wins the overall show. So it's pretty cool. Um, everybody gets super pumped, especially for freestyle. Freestyle is like the coolest part of the whole night. And it's just cause you, you never know what to expect. And normally when my boss is there, he is like flying through the roof of the building and rolling over. And I mean, it's just, it's a crazy show. So your boss is a little ex extreme. Oh yeah. He, he foots the bill. So he's, he's allowed. <laughs> he goes nuts. <laughs> does it, does it, I, I don't know how to answer, ask this question. Is there a pre arranged limit on what you're allowed to do? Not anymore. Not, not as an independent. No. Um, you know, before in Scooby first quarter, no limits. Like they want you to go out, put on a one heck of a show, you know? And then after first quarter is over, which is after world finals, which is around end of March, 
they're like, okay, you know, hold back a little bit. And because we don't need to be blown as much money as that we just went through first quarter, you know, just kind of chill out, calm down. And so, I mean, that was your time to just, you know, get a little seat time, do whatever. But the funniest thing ever, um, we're all still really good friends. And I, I drove with a set of twins, Aaron and Darren Basil, and they are like the coolest, coolest guys you'll ever meet and really good drivers, but they drove for independent teams. So fell did not foot the bill for their trucks. It wasn't a Feld truck. It was an independent truck. So Aaron and Darren brought their trucks to the shows. They worked on them. They hauled them everywhere. Like, they didn't mess their trucks up and they did this all season. Well, then we went international this whole tour and I've never seen Aaron and Darren, like really get into it, like really pedal to the metal. So we go international and now they're in Feld trucks. We get out there in Spain. I think it was Madrid and they go out and just trash these trucks, like go nuts. And we're all just like, dumbfounded like did you just see the run that they because we're so used to them taking care of like their machines like they had to haul them around they weren't going to do anything stupid and then they put them in you know a company truck and it was like holy crap these guys know how to drive (laughs) but it's just cool (laughs) you know when the money's not coming out of their pocket yeah exactly and they i mean they put on one heck of a show that's so amazing And, and how did the company handle it Oh, they were, I mean, it was awesome. We were trying to get, you know, um, new, more people interested in this and that. And we had never been to Spain before. And I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And just to be, we went to Barcelona. We went to the Olympic stadium, 500,000 fans in this place. And we could hear the fans doing their national like chant over we did, we were doing intros or outros i don't remember the all every truck was running you couldn't even hear the trucks all you heard were the fans singing their i think it was their national anthem maybe or something and i mean it was just it was the coolest feeling in the world it was so cool don't you wish we had stadiums like that right <laughs> the the yes. phenomenon the ph- phenomenal thing about it is, is if you go race in Europe on an ATV and you go to a, a race like Pondevu and they get 25,000 spectators, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, for a show like you've been to, that's nothing. But you go to an ATV race and the only spectators are there, family and friends of the people that are racing. Yep. You and know, it's you- sad. Like, it is so sad. Yeah, I, when I you have 200 people in them. Yeah. When I started, I was 15 and I remember running nationals and my goal, every single race, I always set reasonable goals. Always. Like I had a book and I had reasonable goals and I just, I marked them off one at a time. And I ran the youth production class, 200 to 300 CC four wheelers. And I had a little 300 EX and my goal, every race was just to qualify. Like I just wanted to qualify for the main because they only took 20 riders. We had 47 every race. And I'm like, where the heck is that? Like you, you don't find 47 riders in the class anymore. 
and it's sad. It's like my, my main goal was to qualify. And it's like my last couple of years of racing, there was like five in the women's class. And it's like, I know they're way, way more than that. You know, the just, I don't know, the sport just died and it was so sad because it's such a, an awesome sport. What year was that? The, the last times that you were at the nationals, the last couple of years, what years were those? Um, 2014 was my last full national season and I jumped up to the pro-am class. <laughs> that is no joke. <laughs> so I ran, <laughs> I ran production a and me and Casey McKibben were one and two in production a. And so I was like, well, let's, let's do this, you know, go in or go home. And I did. And I remember my most fond memory ever was running that pro-am class. And I think Brad Riley was in there with me and a couple other pros. And I pulled the whole shot on them. I might've only held it for like half a lap, but I pulled that dang whole shot on those pros, (laughs) (laughs) but it was the coolest feeling ever. And then they passed me, but you know, whatever. Uh, Yeah. Well, you led, right. That's all that matters. Yeah. Hey, wasn't I in front of you for a little while? <laughs> yeah, like till turn three. And then, yeah, it was, no, that was it. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. It, 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 there's a lot of different theories on why the the racing is slowed down. No more production bikes, no more factory input. Uh, mm-hmm promoters that are doing shady things. I mean, there's just, there's just so many things that you could probably pin it on. Um, one of the, one of the things is, is I think that, um, I'm not happy with the factories. Yeah. No, I get that. As an independent company that, that, that has carried the sport, you know, Duncan racing, CT Baldwin, uh, sparks, and there's names that I'm forgetting. And if I did forget you, I'm sorry you know, Rath, Roll, Walsh, and I know mm-hmm. more. Um, these guys, these companies all worked so hard to build wares so that everybody could race or go recreational riding. And then the kick, the factories came in and kicked us all aside. It's sad. Like I remember Daryl and Jen Rath, like, oh my gosh, they literally built my quad you know, and Dan and Dasa and, um, he helped me for a little bit. And then we got with D Manshack. Oh my gosh. They built my motors. And if I didn't have those type of sponsors, I never would have made it never. And it's sad that, you know, everyone's treated the way they're treated and it, I don't know. And they're still here, but like, they're still trying to help and make it better. And it's just crazy that they they've stuck to it. They've stuck around and still back everybody. And we're, well, it's, it's hard. Trust me. It's hard when you go mm-hmm. into it and we've been in, in love with this sport for as long as we have, and you work as hard as you do. A lot of people forget that this is our livelihood. Yep. This is how we yep. feed families. And, and it's not, we're helping the sport by helping the individuals as the best we can. But we're also trying to promote our, our livelihood and our products. And um, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, I mean, 
there's a lot of different opinions out there and there's a lot of different things. I Mm -hmm. think as negative as COVID is, it's a resurgence for our industry because the, uh, what I'm hearing is the TT entries are up. The motocross entries are up. The GFT entries are up. The works entries on the West coast are up. Um, Score had more pro ATVs than they have and they had in the last four or five years. Um, So things are growing and that's a great thing, you know, to go from having just a few pros, you know, works, I believe um, had 18 on the line at one point this season, if I'm not mistaken. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, back in the uh, early two thousands, I remember when there were 26 pros and they had two lines at the gates. Oh yeah. I shoot. I remember walking the pits and getting, there was Shane hit and Tim far and, you know, Keith little and all of them two fifty R days, Darren Ogden. And I just like walked the pits and I got my shirt signed every single race. And it's like, I missed that. They had, they had those pro pits lined up like no other. And now it's like, you don't, you don't see any of that. You don't, and it sucks. But I mean, I, I've been out for a few years, so hopefully maybe it's different. I don't know. But one of the craziest, coolest highlights of my career was I always looked up to Shane Hick, Keith Little, Tim Farr, you know, and Keith and Shane, they were always like so awesome to me, like actually treated me like a person. I was this little dumb little blonde 15 year old girl that was like, Oh my gosh, I got to be his trophy girl this weekend. Blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) I went to a show and lo and behold, freaking Shane hit is at my show. And he comes through my autograph line. He's like, Hey, can I get your autograph? And I almost fell over dead. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I literally idolized this guy always got his autograph and he's coming through my line to get my autograph. Like, I don't know. It's just the coolest thing ever. It was so cool. And he did that on purpose. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. Took a picture with me. Everything was at my show watching me in monster trucks. And he's just, I'm so proud of you. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to cry. Well, so cool. It's, it's awesome for us to see the growth. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. Where the people go that we get to deal with and interact. And, um, you know, you see, even, even as you see the young, the the young ones go through the career of racing and then they transition into real life and Mm -hmm. they go out and they become a fireman or they go through the military or they, whatever path they've chosen it's their life monster trucks you know yeah. if they're fortunate enough to do something like that an occasional an occasional one will surprise you and turn a career of racing uh into their livelihood and it's and it's pretty amazing yeah it is it's actually super awesome i never would have been able to do it if it wasn't just for everything you know like everything leads you to this point in life. And it's like, Oh my gosh, we got so much crap. Like, Oh, she's not going to go anywhere. She, she's just got her looks and her blonde hair. And that's, and it's like, no, I worked my 
butt off. I sat at show after show after show with my four wheelers signing autographs for the public. You know how many farm shows I sat my butt out and signed autographs for one single sponsor for Dixie Chopper. And it's like, I worked my tail off night and day, you know, and that it, it got me somewhere. Well, that's, that's what the, one of the things that the industry's lost is I don't think that the youth realize that when a company gives you a part or mm-hmm. sells you a part for a discount, they just took money out of their pocket and put it in yours. Yes. Yeah. It is your job now to promote that company and not just be there with decals on your bike and, and say that they are a great product. It's for you to sell that product. Oh yeah. You instantly I, a salesperson. I totally understand. And for instance, Dixie Chopper, they would give me four X calibers a year to pay for sponsorship. And it's like, they wanted me to use one at home to mow my lawn with. Uh, they wanted one to set out at the races on display. I could sell two of them, use the money from those two as travel entry fees, anything I needed <clears throat> at the end of the season, I could sell the other two. And I remember being at a show or I don't remember if it was a race and I, I sold one and I'm very good at up sailing, which is, you know, why I have a business of my own now, but I'm just like, Hey, I'll sign that. You, you know, do you want me? And I made a thousand dollars on a sale by autographing the seat of his lawnmower. (laughs) I was just like, just the support that people really truly show you. And And it probably wasn't even because, you know, for any reason at all, but he wanted to see me go far and I was there doing what I was supposed to do. And I don't know, it's just, it's stuff like that, that makes you think twice. And, you know, hopefully helps you be a little more thankful. I I think that uh, that is awesome that you could get support like that. And I don't think every writer gets that because I don't think every writer puts that out. You have to have a certain personality and interact with people to Mm -hmm. get the reaction back. And they want to see real, true, genuine people too. And it's like, ask anybody in the race world, um, how was Bailey with her fans or how, and everybody and their mom would be like, oh my gosh, she loves every single kid here. She literally stops, you know, gets down on her knees on their level and she's one of them. She takes time for everybody. And it's like, I've always said, you can go back on my Instagram, on my Facebook, five years ago. And it was the youth are our future. Every single post, anything about kids, it was the youth are our future. And it's true. And I couldn't even agree more now that I have my own kid, because it's like, there's people in the race world that I'm like, Huck, I want you to look up to them or Huck, don't you ever look up to them. And it's like, I always wanted to be the one where their parents were like, yes, she's go ahead, look up to her. That's, that's awesome. And and that's what it is, is, is being approachable, being Mm -hmm. positive. Uh, Anybody, anybody can do certain things 
to smile and wave to the fans and then they turn their back and walk away and the fans are left like, well, that wasn't exactly what I expected. Yep. And the, and the ones that walk away with a smile on their face and are truly endeared to that individual, because I feel when I'm blessed with somebody excited to meet me, I'm honored because who am I? I, I, I'm a yeah. guy with wrenches for a living. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I was only a pro for two years. Um, I never was in a, in a limelight like that. Um, I've worked on guys, machines that have won titles and, and done the things. And, and, and I've got to have an amazing career. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time that somebody wanted my time, I feel that it was my duty to give it to them. And um, every once in a while, I'll meet somebody and says, Hey, do you remember this? Like, Oh, I remember that. It was, it was great. You know? And, and sometimes I meet people that say, yeah, you were so busy. You couldn't talk to us. And I go, well, when I'm getting the bike ready for the starting line, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, there's always, there's always some drag on the guy that has to get the rider to the starting line. You don't always get to, um, shake a hand or acknowledge someone because you're super busy. And, but every oh, yeah. time I get to, to have a, a, a meeting with somebody where they're actually excited about it, I I'm thrilled because it's just makes my life. Hey, well, and I, I would always get in trouble at our monster jam shows. Cause we would be, you know, on a time crunch, like pit party was over doors are closed. You know, you need to go leave your line, go get back. And it's like, I would always have a line out the door in my pit party and I would have 50 people waiting in line and the event staff would come and cap my line and be like, okay, you're out. And I'm like, no, I will not leave. I will not leave these people. Like they stood here, they waited. And I, I mean, I would get people would be so frustrated with me because I would just stand there and keep signing. And, uh, we just went to Wisconsin a few weeks ago and I kid you not, this pit party lasted three hours. And they came over and was like, Hey, drivers can leave like whenever you want. And I'm standing here and I'm just looking around and I'm like, no, like absolutely not. These people paid their hard earned money. Some people honestly probably just skipped a bill or two just to bring their family here to see us. Yep. Like I am not leaving this dang line. I'm going to stay here until every single last person comes through this line. And then the show had to start. So I had to leave. But after that show, I went up to our merch tent and I stood there and I signed autographs after the show. And it's like, you know, your respect goes a long ways. And I respect the heck out of every single person that showed up at that show. And it's like, I just, I just want to make everybody feel like a somebody because we're the same person. I'm no better than they are. Let me ask you this one. Who ultimately pays your bills? Well, me. <laughs> no, ultimately, who's paying them? The the owners of the two trucks. Okay, so ultimately, who's paying them? The fans. Yeah. Without no, fans. Yeah. It, 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 I don't. I don't want to. I'm going to use this as a comparison, only because it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Some sports in this country are dying. Because they forgot who pays the bill. Yeah, no, I 
totally 110% agree with that. So any sport that, or any time that you can uh, allow your fan base to understand that you care and give them extra, like you do, that's amazing. And uh, well, where's my, is. where's my signed t-shirt? Um, it'll be in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it goes to show like, do you know how many people I saw multiple or triple times come through my line. They came the first time they took a picture with me. Then they came and they waited again just because they're like, Oh, we didn't know you could sign. And then I would sign something and then I would see them again. And they'd went to my merch tent, bought something, waited in line again. And it's like, that's what it's about at the end of the day. And it just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I love that. That is, it's, it's cool. That made the, that made the whole conversation for me right there. Yeah, you know? it's just it's cool. I love that people care, and and that's the one thing that I think is missing so much in our world today is is let's take a second and just care. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and my biggest thing was even even in the Monster Jam days was I wanted to be able to communicate to get on any level of any person I met. Um, I, I taught myself other, like the bare minimum of other languages, just so I could at least say hello. Um, I did a, a meet and greet with school for the blind and I've worked with autistic kids and I, I, I picked them up and I let them touch my truck because if they can feel it, you know, they can sense it. Um, the blind children, I would take my helmet or my steering wheel and let them, let them see it, let it, or let them feel it, touch it, whatever. Um, and then I, I taught myself sign language. I sat my butt on YouTube for hours. I made flashcards. I, I did this and cause I wanted to communicate with every fan that I ever encountered. And so we went over to Sweden and Finland for a couple of weeks and this little boy come through the line and he's, you know, he's deaf. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is my opportunity, you know, and I, I get down on my knees and I'm signing, hi, my name's Bailey. What's your name? And his mom goes, um, he only understands Swedish sign. I was like, Oh, <laughs> so I did all this work, taught myself sign language and he didn't even understand it, but I'm like, okay, well, it's a, it, but it you counts, I guess. Uh, you took, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know that there was Swedish sign. I, who knew? I didn't either. And I was like, well, dang it. <laughs> I thought it was international. No, she, she literally said, well, he only understands Swedish sign. And I was like, oh, and maybe she was trying to be nice because maybe I just wasn't good at it. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Oh. Uh, Bailey, I want to thank you so much for taking some time with us. I know that in your schedule uh, with your son and, and the things you got going on in your life, it's difficult to always pencil out an hour. Um, you are very inspirational to the young ladies and the young men in this world. And please keep it going. Don't retire anytime soon because we need a beacon of light out there. And I think you're it. Well, and I, I got to stay young somehow. Um, <laughs> young lady, you haven't even breached old yet. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> like I said, when you yeah. old, you'll know it. 
because it's totally different feeling. Well, when you're near, I'm going to be expecting you at a show. Well, uh, I'm in Southern California. We're we're working on. We're going to have our first live event August 21st in Southern California in El Cajon. Um, and I know people are thinking a live podcast. That's kind of weird, right? Well, it is, but it isn't. Um, Duncan Racing, my brother, owns the company. He's loaned us the facility for the day. And we're going to do five short shows in the building um, live on Facebook, Instagram, and um, YouTube. Cool. Exactly how know how all that works. So please don't ask me questions because I'm not that guy. Um, (laughs) My 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 daughter Valeria and my daughter Paula um, and my wife and uh, Rodrigo, my daughter's uh, not fiance yet, but fiance you might say. Uh, They 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 do the the social media stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're we're trying to get mobile. Um, I'm trying, I'm talking with more and more people to be mobile. Um, and now that you and I have connected, if you are communicating with me about where the shows are, heck yeah, we will do our best to be mobile for one and come and, and watch. That would be so cool. And I literally, this is my last free weekend. We start up again next weekend and I am booked solid until the end of October every weekend. So well, let us know. You are more than welcome to come hang out, do whatever. And I, I want to do this again. I think it's super cool. Well, I, I always want updates. Um, and please don't hesitate to fill us in on what you have going on. And if we can yeah. fit in the schedule, we will. You have my taping schedule. I sent it to you in an email. I know people are okay. probably bored to death with what we're talking about right now, but uh, it, it's so important that everybody knows that um, you're accessible and I'm accessible. And my my door, that's the bad term, but my phone is on 24 hours a day. Um, and you would be amazed at how many people are constantly messaging me. The one thing that I would love to say to everybody that you seem to have figured out is self-promotion is everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Young ladies, young young men, if you're listening to this and uh, a portion of it seemed boring to you, self-promotion is everything. And you know always i don't know if everybody else is as close to their father or mother or grandma always promote yourself as if your grandmother was watching every move like i never would never would post anything say anything if i didn't think my grandma was going to approve of it like if she was right next to me and that's really how i went through everything was Oh, Grandma Donna would not like this. She would not be proud of me. Oh my gosh, my dad would kill me. So I mean, that's that's just the outlook I always had, and just stay professional and never don't speak if you're mad. Don't do it. <laughs> like just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have a ATV talk group on Facebook, and the the whole premise behind it is 
conversation. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. If we're going to talk about, you know, why we run this tire or that wheel, let's do it. And if somebody runs something different, let's ask them why and get some feedback from them and, 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 and help them enjoy what they do, not tear them down for using something different, but lift them up or enjoying a product that maybe we don't. And that's okay. You know, I'm huge. And learn, learn how to be a good loser. (laughs) Like, come on. That was probably one of my better qualities was I went on that track smiling and I, I went off that track smiling. It didn't even matter. Like I had goals. I knew you weren't going to win them all. And uh, being in monster jam, that really, really taught me how to be a great loser. (laughs) Like I was there for my fans and that's all. So I, I tell all my amateur racers, everybody that I work with in the amateur levels, I don't care what place you get. As long as when you come off the track, you gave it everything you had and you, and you have a smile on your face. Yep. He says, but that's not what you said to that guy. Okay. Well, that guy's different because he's racing for money. Yep. Okay. That's a totally different world. We haven't got there yet. When you get and you line up on that pro line, and if I'm still your guy, what I whisper in your ear before that gate drops is totally different than what I am whispering in your ear now. Oh yeah. And my dad, he always said that. He's like, Bay, we're here for we're here for fun. We're here for memories. You're safe. We're going home in one piece. That's all that matters. Did you have fun? Oh yeah, dad. I had a lot of fun. Okay, we're gonna get better. And I mean it, that was always, always enough. And it broke my heart when kids would lose and their parents would be out there in their face. And I'm just like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Nope. Like it, it's not. And that's, that's where they're, they're totally ruining it. You know, and I always knew if I took that helmet off and I was walking off that track, my dad was going to be proud no matter what my mom, they were everybody. They were just going to be proud as long as I was healthy and safe. And I didn't have a bad attitude. If I ever thought about, throwing a fit or throwing my helmet. My mom, oh man, I don't even want to think about it. She would have packed my stuff up and we would have hauled our butts back home. You know, I wish I would have taken more of this advice when my daughter was playing ball because my daughter had attitude all day long. (laughs) You know her saving grace? Oh, shoot. The daddy's girl. (laughs) Won a lot. She was dynamite. Oh. And, and, that was the only saving grace because she would pull it off with with a you know three batter strikeout at the end of the game, uh, you know, or something yeah. something spectacular to change the attitude right at the end to make it okay. Or, or yeah, I I get it. My saving grace was racing. My parents held racing over my head. Everything like you got an attitude, okay, I'm gonna sell your bike. And it's like, I, I shaped up real quick. I never, I never went to a party. I never drank till I was 21. Um, I just, I had goals, you know, I, I worked, always had a job since I was like 15. Um, always had good grades. I just, I never, I never fell into peer pressure. I never got in trouble because I wanted to race. I loved it. That's what I wanted. And I knew dang good and well, I had to walk straight and narrow or I wasn't going to get to do it. Well, please make sure you call your parents uh, tomorrow and tell them I said thank you very much. (laughs) I will. They're probably going to go, who? 
what? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's okay. Um, again, don't retire on us anytime soon. Oh, heck no. And I definitely want to extend the invitation to have you back. Um, I would love it if you would consider this a group chat with yeah. either other ATV racers that you would like or other drivers that you would like to have come on and just chat about what you guys do for a living and tell us more amazing stories about what it's like to be a monster truck driver. Heck yeah, I will for sure. I think that would be super cool. And give that young man a hug and a kiss and, uh, and thank him as well. He's up way too late. (laughs) But that's okay. Where are you located just for grins and giggles? Um, I'm in uh, Missouri. I'm really close to Columbia, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. So it's about 1045 right now. Yeah, you're about uh, 20, almost 34-hour drive away. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, I, you know, I've driven I've driven about that for a national, and it got rained out, and I turned around and did it the next weekend. <laughs> I got the T-shirt, too, you know? <laughs> oh, shoot. That's well, incredible. I appreciate you. I, I had a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's that's what it's all about. It's all about keeping the, the story of the ATV industry alive and having people such as yourself uplift the sport for young men and women um, all over the world. And I hope that they understand what it means to me to have you on. Um, and please keep doing what you're doing because we need all the bright lights we can get in this world. And you are definitely one of them. Um, Oh, thank you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.